So have you guys been following the whole debt ceiling thing lately in the paper? Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I mean, you know, I took some, some economics classes in college and I barely passed those. You know, I can get like supply and demand, but anything after that, I'm like, I really don't understand. And especially when you start talking about $14 trillion worth of debt and we're, we want to raise that. I mean, I don't, I don't understand. I don't get it. I tried to read a little bit this week. And I thought, you know, I don't get this. This just makes no sense to me. I don't understand. And, and I just got to thinking about, you know, why do we, why is it that we are such a now society? That even, even our, yeah, it's easy to point the finger at the government and go, man, why are we have this such debt? But really, our culture lives the same way. We want things now. And we want what we want. And the things that we want are pleasure and happiness and we want them forever. That's the same thing the government's trying to do with the debt thing is to take hold of that what we want now and we'll put off the payment for the future. And I think the truth is for most of us we live that way. We live the same way. We want that, those things now. Is, is that so bad? Is it so wrong for us to want happiness and joy and want to experience those things forever maybe there's an economy that will work for us maybe there is an economy somewhere that will provide us what we need without all the entanglements that come with it and we're going to look at a text this morning that if we'll track along with what God is trying to teach us this morning we'll understand that there is an economy God's economy that will give us everything that we could ever imagine, everything we could ever hope for. So if you have your Bibles this morning, open up to 1 Timothy chapter 6. First Timothy chapter 6. We'll start in verse 17. As for the rich... In this present age. Okay, let's stop right there. As for the rich, let me ask you this question this morning. Are you rich? Do you consider yourself rich? I bet if I were to ask each of you to raise your hand, many of you in this room would say, I'm not rich. I mean, you should see my house, you should see my car. I'm not rich because. When we think about rich and we think about wealthy in, in our society, we tend to evaluate ourselves based on those people that live around us. Well, I'm not as rich as that next guy. I don't have what that guy has. But the truth is that we really are rich. E even the poor of us in this place are rich. Just let me give you two statistics. And I know you could be bored to death with the statistics, so I'm just going to give you two. All right, 50% of the world lives on less than $2.50 a day. 50% of the world. 80% of humanity lives on less than $10 a day. Most of you in this room make $10 an hour, at least. I just want us to be on the same page this morning and understand and recognize that all of us in this place are, are wealthy. The biggest decision you're thinking about this morning is where you're going to eat lunch, not if you're going to eat lunch. 
Some of the biggest decisions you've had to make this morning was which of the vehicles were you going to leave your 1,800 square foot air conditioned home with the TV and the surround sound, leave that house to drive on paved roads to come and sit in nice cushioned pews and hear music and listen to a guy who fought all week of wanting to buy new clothes thinking he had to impress you up on this stage. (laughs) Those are the big decisions we have to make and there are people all around this world. And listen, I'm not trying to guilt you this morning. I'm just trying to put us in the place to say, God is speaking to us in this passage this morning. He's spoken before to those who aren't rich and how they ought to respond to God, but then he's going to speak to the people who are rich and how they are respond to God. And I know there are some of you maybe here this morning that you really are struggling and you don't know where your next meal is coming, but that's maybe 1% of you, maybe 0.1% percent of you this morning and I think as we work through this passage we'll realize just how rich we really are so let's just all agree all right for argument's sake this morning for the sake of argument let's just all agree that this is for us we are the rich people we're rich we're wealthy we live in a land that's that's wealthy all right as for the rich in this present age charge them not to be haughty Not to be arrogant. See, money makes people arrogant. And Paul wants to warn the people that are rich, and he says, listen, don't let your money make you arrogant. And what arrogance basically is, is that our life revolves around us. We think that because we have a certain amount of money, people ought to treat us a certain way. That we are entitled. We have have an increased self-value or self-worth an inflated inflation an inflated self-worth about how valuable we think we are because of the things that we possess and the things that we own and this economy that we live in it is very easy for us that have to think that our value is based on what we have and we become arrogant and not only do we expect to be treated a certain way but we treat other people a certain way based on how little they have or how much they have One of my pet peeves in in this world, in this society, Western American culture that we live in, is that for some reason we take people that are wealthy, and if they're wealthy, then we must listen to what they have to say, as though their wealth has increased their knowledge. Let let me give you an example. If you're into the Twitter world, like any, any actor... Or, or football player or anything that puts something out on Twitter. If you don't know what Twitter is, it's like a, um, it's like a billboard where you could just put out your, your, your whatever you want to say and people can hear it. And for some reason, when rich people say stuff, the world thinks, man, we ought to listen. Think about the election. When we elect a president, who do the presidents want to get on their side? Actors. Athletes. Bill Gates, rich people. Now, certainly there are some rich people who are very, we ought to listen to them. But my pet peeve is when we think that people like Jessica Simpson, who I'm not even sure graduated college, that she's someone we ought to listen to just because she has money. That there's this upper echelon of people that says, hey, we ought to listen to them because they have money. And I think that trickles down to us. And we go places or we work in our in our. Our, our works and we have this pecking order and because I make this much money man, you ought to listen to me and we become arrogant because we have this money and we think we're so great Paul says don't be arrogant don't be arrogant in your money 
And then he says, don't set your hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Don't set your hope. Hope for what? What is the hope that he's talking about here? And I think the hope is something that we all want, that I I mentioned earlier. We all want pleasure. We all want happiness. And we all want to experience that forever. And I don't think that's bad. I think God's given us a heart that wants pleasure and happiness. And he wants us to enjoy that forever. And Paul says, don't think that you're going to get what you really want, what your heart really wants. Once what true life really is, don't think you're going to get that from the riches of this world. The riches of this world will not give you what you want. Don't be caught up in believing that just because you have money, it's going to provide everything that you want for the rest of eternity. He says these riches are uncertain. And what he means is not just that they won't last, but they're uncertain because they will absolutely not get you what you want. And we all live in this world wanting happiness, pleasure, joy. We want love and friendship. I mean, did you wake up this morning and go, man, I sure hope that this is just a crappy day. Sorry, kids. I mean, did you wake up this morning and go, man, I just hope this is the worst day of my life. I hope that I, hope that I could just be sorrowful and downtrodden, and I hope I just get walked all over today. No, you didn't wake up with that feeling. It started way back in the garden with Adam and Eve who had joy and happiness and perfection and the plan was forever. And then we messed it up and ever since that time, man has been wanting to get back to that place of perfect joy and perfect happiness and pleasure. Maybe there's an economy that can give us what we want. He says, don't put your hope in the riches of this world, but put your hope in God. The implication, put your hope in God because He is the one who can give you what your heart's desires. He gives us everything that we need to enjoy. So instead of being arrogant and believing that we are the ones who have gained everything we have, we put ourselves in the position that says, God, I want to put my hope in you because I understand that everything is from you. How do we get everything from God? Everything that we've ever hoped for, we found in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that all the promises of God are yes in Christ. We place our hope for everything that we want and we find it in Jesus Christ, where we understand that He's given us everything that we need. He's given us not only everything that we need, but everything that we are. We are rich in this place because God has made it that way. God has given you, some of you in this room, you have the ability, the minds, you have the work ethic to make money. Everything you do, you just make money. And you're wealthy. All of us We have jobs. God has given us minds and he's placed us in this place at this time. God could have placed us in the outermost parts of Africa or or the most dire straits of Asia. But God has chosen to put us here for whatever reason and it's God who has done that and it's God who gives us 
our money. It's God who gives us our riches. It's God who gives us our brains to even make money. And we must put ourselves in the position. We must transform our mind to say, God, my hope is in you because I know that all of these things, all of these riches that I do have are from you. And they're all found in Christ. I'm not going to get what I want from the things of this world unless I reorient myself to understand that God is the one who gives us all of these things. And then he says, to give them richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you know that God's for your joy this morning? God is for your joy. But he knows that you'll only find real joy when you find it by putting your hope in Christ. Why do we spend so much of our lives accumulating stuff that the Bible says will will rust, that moss will destroy, it's going to rust and it's all going to go away when we can have a joy that comes from Christ that's going to last forever. And God is for your joy this morning. God is not against you. God is for your joy. And it may not be the way the world says it's going to be. It's not found in having the biggest house and the best everything or whatever. God says your joy is found in Christ. And then he's going to tell us how we get to experience that joy. We are a rich people so how do we experience this joy? How are, do we li- how are we to live in our wealth? This is not a message this morning to bash the rich Christians. There's enough of that going on out there. And my position is, look, I didn't ask for God to put me in this place. This is where God has put us. God is the one who has given us everything we need. So what we need to figure out is how to live in this life in the place that God has put us. To receive the most joy. And he says they are to do three things. He says they're due to do good. And he gives us three ways we're supposed to. This is the way we have joy. The first thing he says, be rich in good works. We take our riches and we understand that that's not really true richness. That true richness is found in doing good works. Not to earn salvation. Don't get me wrong this morning. I'm not saying that we, we're going to do these things to earn salvation. We've already established our hope is in Christ for everything. And that includes eternal life. But Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ is much more than not hell. The richness and everything that we find in Christ is much more than not going to hell. And American Christianity, I'm afraid, has said, I'll take God, I'll take Christ for heaven, but I'll get everything else in this life. I'll get my happiness and my joy. I'll get the big things and the stuff, and that's going to make me happy. And the gospel says that Christ gives you everything you need. If we'll be rich in good works, we'll do good works out of an understanding that knows that our hope is only in Christ. Doing good works is the exact opposite of arrogance. If we've placed our hope in God, our world no longer revolves around us. It revolves around those people around us. God says, you want to really experience life here on this earth and you give. Second thing he says is you be generous. God's blessed you with what you have. 
if you really want to enjoy it, if you really want to find pleasure, then be generous. Be generous. Give. Don't be arrogant and let your world revolve around you and what you want. And God says you'll find, if you'll be generous, that you'll find your joy. And then he says, be willing to share. I mean, haven't we been learning this since we were like two? It's something that we all struggle with. Well, we don't want to share this is my stuff. This is my, listen, I, I'm telling you this morning, I'm not telling you it's wrong to have money. That's just not my position. It's wrong to think that your money is all about you. God tells us to work hard. And if we work hard in the place that we live, the result is going to be money. We've just got to reorient ourselves. It says, how can I live according to God's economy? And God's economy says, be generous and share and understand that everything that you have is from God. Share what you have. Then he says, Thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is true life. Did you know that retirement is in the Bible? Some of you are like, yes. It's just a different retirement than we're used to. You know, retirement for us is get everything that you can now to secure a better future. That's what he's telling us. It's just that the future is eternity. Don't work so hard to store up for yourselves treasures that are going to rot on this earth. Work hard in giving and giving and being generous and sharing because by doing that, then you will store up treasures for eternity. That's a good retirement. Use your wealth now to store up treasures. What the person understands about this and what I've been talking about is that it, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. We understand that we are a bankrupt, desperate people. Without God, without Christ, we are bankrupt. We are destitute. So that even the poorest person understands that everything that they have is from Christ. So if they get anything, then they're rich. I'm not saying to you that if you have more money, that you can spend more and you'll have more riches in heaven. That's not what I'm saying. Because God even blesses the poor woman who can only give her penny. It's not about how much you have to give. It's about if you'll give what you have. See, even the poor person, even the little kid in the, in the remote village of Africa who doesn't have any food, if he's put his hope in Christ and he is given a cup full of rice, he understands that he's deserved nothing, but he has been given everything in Christ. And so out of the richness that God has blessed him with, he finds someone near to him that is, even has less than he does and he's willing to share with them. That kid that person will receive the same reward as you and I who have lots to give if we will give. And then he makes a promise for us. He says, he promises these treasures, but he also says in the very end here that we will take hold of that which is truly life. 
See, we keep working hard on this earth if we have the improper perspective, thinking that everything that we have to gain is here. But everything that we have to gain is there. See, someday we're going to live in an unencumbered, uh, sinless place. Our sin will no longer be holding us back and we'll live perfectly with Christ and we'll get to experience everything, the completeness of Christ in that place. We get glimpses of it now as we walk with Christ and we get to experience, yes, some of the goodness of Christ. But someday we're going to live with Him forever. And if we live with this perspective, we're going to store up treasures and we're going to be able to grasp that which is truly life. Can the rich man on this earth who doesn't put his hope in Christ give? Yes. There are philanthropists who give lots of money. But the best that they have to hope for is what this world has to offer, which is fleeting. And it's nothing that compares to the glory and the richness of the treasures that are found in Christ in eternity in heaven with Him. And we give with a perspective that says there is a treasure, there is a true life that is to be had and it's not here. It's for eternity. And this is what I want us to understand this morning is it's not a matter of really if you're rich or poor because we all understand we're really poor without Christ. He's the one who gives us everything. And if we believe that, and then no matter how much we un- have, we understand that we're rich in Christ. The Bible speaks over and over about being rich in Christ. And it speaks over and over about the rewards that we'll receive in heaven. Hebrews eleven six 6 says that God rewards those who seek Him. He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. And Jesus Christ is our great reward. He gives us Christ. And someday we're not going to live on this earth that keeps us from experiencing Him the way we fully can. And we're going to live in eternity. And I'm not sure how it's all going to play out, to be honest with you. I don't know exactly what those riches are, but I know that the glories and the richness that we find in Christ in heaven are going to far outweigh anything that you can have on this earth. And so if God has blessed you and you have things, then you live in such a way as to give and be generous and share. Flip over to Revelation. The very last chapter, chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 12. This is Jesus speaking. He says, Behold, I am coming soon bringing my reward with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't know exactly what heaven is going to look like. I don't know exactly what the rewards are. You know, we sing songs about the mansions and the streets of gold. I don't know. I'm not sure. But I know that there is a reward coming for those who live with the perspective of storing up treasures in heaven. God is going to give us and bring us a reward that will last ever and ever and ever. And you may be asking yourself this morning, Tim, isn't that, isn't that self-centered for God to motivate us? Isn't that self-centered on our part? 
to to want to live out this life based on the treasures that we'll we'll receive, it's not self-centered at all. It's the most Christ-centered thing that God could do. It's like like if I asked my kid, if I told my kid we're going to the soccer game and they're going to play in the soccer game and I tell them, look, if you score a goal today, I'm going to take you to Chuck E. Cheese and we're going to just get to experience the day together. And then you say, but don't think about that. Just think about playing soccer and doing what you're supposed to do. You think my five-year-old's not going to be thinking about Chuck E. Cheese all day? God has told us there is a reward waiting. Yes, there's a reward now to be had in Christ, but it's so much better in what's coming. God's the one who's given us this motivation, so is that self-centered? No, because God understands that the greatest thing he could give us is himself. If my daughter said, no, Dad, I don't think I want that. I just, I just want to have a goal. I don't really want Chuck E. Cheese. I'd be like, you don't, I, I want to give to you. I want to give to you based on what you've done, based so that we can experience this together. Because the reward really isn't Chuck E. Cheese. It's a reward that we get to spend time together. She gets to find everything that she wants in me. It's not self-centered to think about and be motivated by a reward that God has waiting for us. It's actually the most Christ-centered thing that you can do in your life. Because you understand that your hope is only in God. If you can't walk away with anything else this morning, that's what I want you to walk away with. That true life is only found if you place your hope in Jesus Christ. Some of you aren't even in the ball game yet. You're still out there thinking that the world has the best that there is to offer. And you need to understand this morning that true life, even here on this earth, is found when you place your faith in In Jesus Christ. When you understand that he is the one who left heaven and came and died for your sins. To make a way not only for salvation but that you may have life and you may have it to the fullest. The things of this world will not give you what you want. Rich American Christian. The things of this world will not give you what you want. Only if we use them according to the hope that we have in Christ, will we find our greatest joy, our greatest happiness, and we'll get to experience that forever. Let's do good. Let's be good in our riches, in our good deeds. Let's be generous. Let's be a people who share because we know that everything is from God. Everything we have to hope for is in Jesus Christ.